Here at the Mystery in Our History podcast, our main goal is to provide enjoyable entertainment for all of our listeners on a wide array of urban legends and conspiracy theories. However, this episode contains subject matter that some people may find disturbing, including suicide. If you or anyone you know needs help finding support, crisis resources, or are having suicidal thoughts, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Thank you and enjoy the show. Mystery in our history. Hey everyone, and thank you for listening to the Mystery in Our History podcast, where we take an in depth look at all things urban legend and conspiracy theory related and how they came to be. I'm J.R. Supa, and joining me, as always, is Chris Barry. Hello. On this week's episode, we're going to be taking a look at the suicide forest of Japan, also known as Aokigahara or Jukai, meaning the Sea of Trees. Now, the reason why we're going to be tackling this topic this week is that the suicide forest in Japan is believed to be one of the most haunted places on earth due to the amount of people who have died in the forest. Now in order to fully understand why Aokigahara is considered one of the most haunted places on earth, we first have to look at what made it that way. And that is an in-depth look at not only the history of the forest itself, but also the culture of Japan that has led to the vast number of suicides that have taken place in the forest, as well as other deaths contributed to Japanese culture. Um, And before we get started, I just want to um, throw a disclaimer in here. Um, We are going to be talking about a lot of of heavy stuff in this podcast, um, most predominant of which is suicide. Um, And although... Chris and I are here to make jokes uh, and hopefully provide entertainment for everyone listening. Um, We just want to take a minute and just kind of express that um, both of us feel very strongly about um, suicide never, ever being the answer um, to any problems that you have. Um, We believe, you know, if you're struggling with depression or anxiety or suicidal thoughts or whatever the case may be, um, we encourage you, please uh, seek help, and uh, there are a lot of wonderful organizations out there that can help you. Uh, so with that said, let's uh, get started. And um, So I'm going to be doing this entire podcast in a Japanese accent. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> Been practicing all day, I hope. No, I might jump in every once in a while, but I can't maintain it for that long. Uh-oh. <laughs> Hello, Chris. Oh, the decay. <laughs> All right, so uh, Aokigahara, or the Suicide Forest, as it will be referred to by us because we don't want to keep trying to pronounce it and failing throughout the rest of this podcast. 
uh, is a forest on the northwestern flank of Japan's Mount Fuji. It uh, sits on 30 square kilometers of hardened lava that was laid down by the last major eruption of Fuji in uh, 864 uh, CE. So the western edge of the suicide forest is where there are several caves um, that are completely filled with ice, uh, ice caves in the wintertime. That sounds great. I bet you that's like one of the best places to cool down. It's like a natural AC in that bad boy. Oh my god, yeah, I know. Especially now, because we're in, finally in summer and it's a friggin' heat yeah. wave. It's awful. That asshole of summer in here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this, uh, these caves are a very popular destination for tourists uh, and school trips. Now, parts of the suicide forest are extremely dense. And um, this is a result of the lava that sits underground. So it's very porous and it absorbs a lot of the sound. Um, and that kind of gives the feeling to a lot of the visitors um, to the forest that there is this weird sense of solitude. Uh, there's no sound like really around you, almost like you're in this kind of bubble. I would love to to experience something like that where you're just in a very peaceful environment, but you're still out in the elements, but all the sound is drowned out. I, it's just it's got to be it's got to be trippy. It sounds really cool. I would love to experience it anywhere other than this place. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's a fair point. Because <laughs> as as you will see as we get deeper and deeper into this uh, the tale of this forest, it's not some place you want to be. Um, so in recent years, the suicide forest, um, as it's been now come to be known, is uh, one of the world's most prevalent suicide sites, uh, judging you know by the name. Uh, and there are actually signs as you head into the forest um, along a lot of the trails that are urging visitors, um, and these are indirect quotes, but think of your family. Um, don't do it, and uh, contact a suicide prevention association. Yeah, yeah, and and they are they are everywhere because the risk is so large. Um, I'm sure a lot of the internet remembers uh, early last year, 2018. Uh, Logan Paul, in fact, was yes. in you know jerking around and filming in the suicide forest, and lo and behold, he stumbled up upon a victim and. Uh, you know, so it is still very active to this yes. day. And, and he is he is a giant bag of dicks, by the way. Oh, he um, is. Absolutely. If you I have not watched the video, we're not going to show it because I'm not giving him any kind of accolades whatsoever. He's just a giant bag of dicks. Um, but he essentially just found a dead body and started laughing. And yeah. Like, filmed it, got yeah. reactions for views. It was very tasteless. Yeah, completely. Um, and I mean, don't don't get me wrong, we're... we're in this episode and, and many episodes in the future, we will do plenty of tasteless things, um, so, you know, pot, kettle, whatever, but <laughs> nothing like that. <laughs> it's just a whole nother level of disrespectful. You yeah. Know, you got to think of the family involved and everything. Now exactly. That, that that footage is out there in the world now, you know, mm -hmm. and that's never going to go away. So. Right. So uh, Aokigahara is sometimes referred to as the most popular site for suicide in Japan. Uh, in 20, uh, 2003, sorry, uh, 105 bodies were found 
in the forest, which exceeded the previous record of 78 in 2002. In 2010, the police recorded more than 200 people having attempted suicide in the forest, of whom 54 completed the act. Now, that is an estimate, because this forest is so dense that these bodies don't get found. You know what I mean? So that they're... These are just guessing numbers. Like the 54 that completed the act, that's just the 54 that they found. There could be countless more that actually did it that year. The best um, estimate. Yeah. So suicides are said to increase in Japan uh, during March, which is the end of their fiscal year. And as of 2011, the most common means of suicide in the forests were uh, either hanging or drug overdose. Um which, you know, there's a lot of trees, so I get it. Yeah, it's... Uh... Uh, and then in recent years, local officials have stopped publicizing the numbers uh, in an attempt to decrease the Suicide Force association with suicide. Yeah. Which, and with a name like the Suicide Force, I don't think it's ever going away. Yeah, and I mean, they, they, there's always an attempt in Japan to, uh, to curb that, uh, because unfortunately, they are still the world leader in suicide. And the leading cause of death for people ages fifteen to thirty-four. Yeah, um, it's still a real problem there. It's just and we're gonna get into problem. we're gonna get into why that's such a problem in Japan. Um, it's has everything to do with their culture. Then um, we'll we'll touch on that in a little bit. So uh, the rate of suicide in Japan has led officials to again place signs at the entry. Um, urging visitors to seek help, not take their own lives. But there are annual body searches, and they've been conducted by police volunteers and journalists um, since the 70s. And each year, they just find a, a, an unbelievable amount of bodies. It's, it's unfathomable. And um, little tidbit, the Suicide Forest is the second most popular um, destination which I don't want to use that word. It sounds like a, a weekend getaway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's the second most popular destination for suicides in the entire world. Number one is the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Actually, I didn't know that. Yeah, number one suicide spot. Wild. Yeah. I mean, I you know, it's, it's super high, so I get it. Um, yeah. Although, you know... You're in like California is so nice, <laughs> right? If you know what I mean, like if it was because like you you hear all those stories about like Seattle being like the suicide capital of the country and stuff like that because it's so dank and and dreary all you know for ten months out of the year. So you would think like if there's a bridge in Seattle, maybe that would be where it was happening. But yeah, it's it's weird that it's the Golden Gate Bridge, but not uh, ever since they upped the dankness there, it's going down. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. So we're going to talk, let's talk a little bit about suicide in Japan and the culture. So, um, and I'm, I'm going to butcher these names, so apologies in advance <laughs> to the people listening and to the people whose names I'm butchering. You got this power. Yes. Yoshinori Cho, maybe, uh, who's the director of psychiatry department at, uh, Tikyo University in Kawasaki, 
um, Kanagawa Prefecture and author of the book titled Hito Wanaze Jisatsu Suru no Ka, or Why Do People Commit Suicide? Um, he has been quoted uh, throughout Japanese history. Suicide has never been prohibited on religious or moral grounds. It is also, apart from uh, on two specific occasions in the Meiji era, which was 1868 to 1912, uh, suicide has been declared, has never been, sorry, never been declared illegal. Um, and another um, gentleman by the name of Saito um, concurred saying that suicide is quite permissible in Japanese society something honorable that is even glorified so that yeah. gives you a glimpse into the culture yeah it's 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 crazy and and sad that honestly that they don't have a taboo on it um that it's almost encouraged to keep yourself from like disgracing the rest of your family like you did something so bad that it, killing yourself would be better than coming clean to your family or, yeah. or a loved one that's just it's so nuts yeah to me. well and so this you know, this whole tradition, which is just an awful descriptor of this, but it is a tradition of honorable suicide, uh, dates back centuries to the feudal era of Japan where samurai warriors would uh, commit something called seppuku, um, which is ritual disemboweling, which is more commonly known as uh, harakiri, who is not the um, famous announcer for the cubs, but essentially when a samurai <laughs> would take one of their swords and go across and then up, um, removing all of their innards. And this was a way to uphold their honor rather than to fall into the hands of the enemy. Yeah. In a time of war, it makes a little bit more sense in my mind. Um, you know, obviously, it's never great, but, like, yeah. you know, a, a dead prisoner leaks no secrets, so. <laughs> uh. Well, and that's, yeah, I mean, like, during, what was it, the Cold War, where you had, like, cyanide capsules in your teeth and stuff oh, like yeah. that, like. Chomp down so... and go down. <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah, like, that was real shit, though, like. Yeah, no, I know. Like, people would rather kill themselves than give up any information yeah it's craziness so um so this tradition actually continued um through world war ii right so that's the most popular factoid if you will of world war ii in um japanese the japanese army right you had these these kamikaze pilots who would purposely crash their damaged planes into the enemy, killing themselves and as many of the enemy as possible. That's, uh, you know, it's funny because I looked that up today because I was curious myself um, about kamikaze planes and uh, Pearl Harbor. And um, I even been to the memorial, and for some reason I was, it stuck in my head that they were kamikaze flyers, but they were indeed not. They were not crashing No, anything. yeah, they were, they were just here to bomb us. Yep. Um, one or two may have kamikaze, but it wasn't the wasn't actual like the primary right, thing. Right. It was just kind of like if they were going to get shot down, they were going to take as much of the enemy with them. Yeah, I don't even remember where I heard that from, but I I remember hearing that from somewhere. Yeah, it's the Mandela effect. 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Definitely. Um, so the present day acceptance of suicide is obviously stems from this, um, according to Chow or Cho, sorry, Cho. Um, he goes on to say vestiges of the seppuku culture have been seen, um, today in the way suicide is viewed as a way of taking responsibility. So, not so much with the taking responsibility aspect, but we do see a lot of, like, uh, glorification in the West as well with suicide when it comes to something similar as, like, uh, just as memes. You'll see, like, a Spongebob meme talking about how useless you feel and how you should just die, and it's just like, holy shit, this is a, yeah. this is a cartoon uh, saying all this very, very uh, yeah, unreal Yeah, it's, it's awful. Yeah, I mean, of course, it's meant to be a joke, but I mean, sometimes they just get so dark. It's just like, where's the joke? I don't see yeah, the joke. Exactly. Um, okay, so Japan is also subject to, and I can't believe this is an actual thing, but suicide fads. As um, Saicho Masimoto's 1961 novel. Nami no To, or Tower of Waves, uh, started a trend for love-vexed couples and then jobless people to commit suicide in the suicide forest. So the book essentially is a Japanese version of, you know, this uh, star-crossed lovers, if you will. And the book concludes with the beautiful heroine, um, who's involved with a in a socially unacceptable relationship heading into the forest to end her life. Yeah, it sounds uh so, sounds like a like a Romeo and Juliet Essentially, sort of thing, yeah. but Japanese uh, Japanese Romeo and Juliet. But suicide packs aren't really that like unheard of either. No. Um so in fact after the book's 50th anniversary, that suicide trend actually repeaked in the forest. Um, and that was in 2004. Um, and that's when uh, Yamanashi Prefectural Police figures show 108 people killed themselves. Yikes. Yeah. So this book, this actual Tower of Waves book, is widely contributed as the catalyst for the this specific forest um, and its popularity as a suicide site. However... Um, the history in the actual history of suicide in Akiogohara, uh, sorry, Aoki Gahara <laughs> uh, predates the novel's publication, and the place has actually been associated with death for way longer. Yeah, they must have dra- they they must have drawn like some sort of inspiration from the forest for that book. I'm sure that like there was a reason why he picked that specific forest. So, let's get into um, the beginning, if you will, of death in Aokigahara, the suicide forest. So, it's actually believed that something called Ubasute may have been practiced there into the 19th century. So, that's in the 1800s. And the forest is actually... Uh, believed to be haunted by the yori which are the vengeful spirits of those who were left to die 
Yeah, it was weird. I um I, I looked up um Ubas Ubas Oh man, I'm gonna butcher it too. Ubasute. 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 Jeez. <laughs> and it seems like uh yeah, it's basically just the act of leaving someone there with the intention of them dying, whether it be out of malice or not. Like yes. that's pretty messed it's up. Like fucking awful. Yeah, so, so. it's uh yeah, so yeah, so so <laughs> Ubasute is the mythical practice of senicide in Japan, which senicide is essentially killing the el- killing the elderly. Um, so <laughs> just <laughs> um, so essentially, uh, an infirmed person, a sick person. Or an elderly relative was carried into the mountain or into the forest. Um, and then they were just left there to just die so that they wouldn't be a burden on their family anymore. Like the family wouldn't have to um, take care of them, essentially, in their old age. It's kind of like, you know, the that like, I don't know if it's a myth or not, but like the Inuit people who like they just put their elders out on a little... Uh, block of ice and just shove them out into the sea when they can't hunt anymore. It's <laughs> uh, see you later. So, but how do you how do you broach that topic? Like before we go on, like oh, grandma, uh, hop on my back. I I take you into the forest and I leave you there. So I, okay, so I I can I can get it at a certain point. Um, like okay, cause like I have family out in Michigan and it's a very different lifestyle out there. Um, and when somebody has unwanted kittens or puppies, they drive by the closest farm and dump them. And but basically that's, that's a, a puppy or a kitten. That's not an, a grown ass man right, or woman. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like that's, that, that feels different. Um, when it comes to something like, I guess grandma or grandpa, I, I, I guess if it was a mutual thing between the two, I could see the beauty in it. But if it's just like, listen, I'm tired of listening to Grandpa cough over there. I'm going to take his ass up to the mountain and just drop him off and we're done. That sounds rotten. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like, And that's the thing is like this this whole culture. And I'm, I, I'm not trying to belittle or make fun of the entire Japanese culture. I think a lot of great things have come out of Japan, including uh, panty vending machines and anime manga um, <laughs> being the top two. Really the highlights there. <laughs> but how fucked up does your culture have to be to be like, you know what? You're old. Come with me. We're going to take a walk in the forest. Yeah, nice. that's a little weird. A little bizarre. Yeah. So. Again, if it was mutual, I can I could get it behind it a little bit. Like, a well, little I mean, bit. I, I guarantee that the the elderly or infirmed person like understood they were they were going along with it it wasn't like they were dragging them kicking and screaming half of them probably didn't possess the physical ability to kick or scream but that's beside the point yeah i was reading that um that they would put them on the shoulders Mm -hmm. and like they would leave their their hands out and they would like knock all the brush down uh i might have jumped ahead a little bit well that's that's exactly that's exactly the next point yeah so essentially um 
Ubasute has left a, a mark on Japanese folklore, not just in the culture itself, but um, it essentially forms the basis of a lot of legends, poems, um, and in one Buddhist allegory, the son carries his mother up a mountain on his back when she gets too old. And during the journey, she stretches out her arms, catching the twigs and scattering them in their wake so that the son will be able to find his way home. Yeah, yeah, I mean... So, I mean, and it's it's eerily beautiful. Yeah, right, it has, like, an eerie beauty to it. Because, um, yeah, like, it's yeah. sweet, you know what I mean? But, like, at the same time, like, it's so just fucked up like if you're looking I mean, at it from like our culture standpoint like it's right. just really messed up I mean, you're bringing someone out there to die like yeah. it's pretty grim in the nature and not only it, die but... like they're they're not bringing them out there killing them and then leaving the bodies <laughs> that's the other thing i was thinking about right like like you're just what, bringing what? them out there putting them down and going and not like putting them down like you put down a dog but literally like taking them off your back and putting them on the ground and mm-hmm. then see ya yeah and then Whether just they leave su- them to starve to death? Yeah, like dehydrate are like, the there, elements are could there wild be a animal. Worse way to like kill somebody that yeah. you know and love. You know what I mean? Like exactly. Yeah, because like, it's one thing. Like yeah, people would be like, oh, well, you can chop their head off, or you can Chris Benoit somebody, but like the fact that you're just knowingly bringing them out there and just being like, okay, I'm gonna leave you here now. See ya. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if Grandpa got ate by wolves, or if it was the weather that did him. Yeah. It's just like, what? It's mind blowing. Oh, yeah. So, along, so, well, not along these lines, but along the lines of of books contributing to this culture, um, another book from 1993, titled, "This is not a joke," the complete manual of suicide, by Wataru. Surumi, 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 added to the fuel and increased suicide rates. The author describes the Aokigahara as the perfect place to commit suicide and even describes which parts of the forest are less circulated so that bodies can't be found later on. Dude, that the that author needs to chill out. Like, needs seriously to chill the fuck that out. That author needs to take a trip to the suicide forest. Is what he needs to do. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Help yourself first before you help others. Unbelievable. Um, okay, so now that we've kind of discussed the culture behind why this forest is so popular, uh, this specific forest, let's or why the Japanese culture, I should say suicide is so popular let's set the scene if we will um as to why aokigahara is in and of itself the most popular place for these people to be committing suicide so picture if you will you go to aokigahara you park your car and you're gonna go walk the trails because it is just essentially a tourist site that you can just go and hike and, and hang out and there's paths, different paths for you to go down and whatever the case may be. But before you get in, you have to pass these cars that line the entrance that have been abandoned for months, if not longer, that are just sitting there. And those cars belong to all the people that just didn't come out. 
Yeah, I had some sort of like uh, ghost driving car joke that I was gonna throw in there, but like it's honestly just sad. Like it's not. I'm like not in the mood to joke about it because it's it's like oh. Those cars are actually there forever now. Huh? Now I can't yeah. stop thinking about a ghost driving a car. <laughs> beep, beep, here comes Casper. <laughs> can't even beep the horn. Just That's go straight through the steering wheel. <laughs> now, do they just fly at the same speed as the car to like keep up with consistency? Or I, I don't know. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so, think about this. Okay, so now, oh, that's creepy, right? And I'll just walk past that. And now you have, like we talked about before, signs. And the signs are in Japanese and English. And can be found everywhere. At the beginning of, like, every trail. It's And, and it's literally just to deter suicide. Asking readers to think of their family. Asking readers to seek help. Yeah, so uh, what, when I was reading, um, reading the research at first, I, I was like, I could have sworn... Suicide Forest is private and it's not supposed to be wandering around. And then after like one second of research, I found out that is not the case, <laughs> and that like people tour there all the time. Yeah. Um, however, it was unclear, and I really couldn't find any uh, like a ton of information on it out there. Um, I have heard that some sections are off limits, yes. like a no trespassing areas. Yes, that's absolutely um, true. Okay, so. So uh, there I are actually find a c- confirm or deny that anywhere, yeah. but I watched a few videos um, on this, and one was I think it was a Vice video, and it was this guy who essentially just volunteers to try and help find bodies, and as they're walking through, like there is a section where it's just you're on a trail, and all of a sudden there's just two posts and a um, chain, and it's like do not go beyond this point. And literally, like, 100 feet past that point or something like that, there's, like, a person camping. And he, like, yeah. walks up to the tent. Because that's what he does. He, like, he goes around. And if he sees people anywhere in the forest, he just, like, engages them. And it's just like, hey, what are you doing? How's it going? Like, just because it, based on interaction, he can kind of tell um, whether they're think... there to kill themselves or whether they're actually legitimately, like, there yeah. to just hang out and camp. Um, and then he just tries to, to talk him out of it. Yeah, because the guy that he talked about, he was just like, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing here. So he, like, sat down and, like, hung out with him for a little mm-hmm. bit being like, Yes, that's well, the video. That's the video. Like, don't do what you're thinking about doing. Let's let's talk a little bit. And they yeah. end up walking out at the end, right? Um, he gets up and leaves and essentially, like, says – they have a really good conversation. And then he kind of just tells the person, like, you can't really camp here. You do have to move. And – he then he just kind of left like I feel good about that conversation. Cool. Essentially, is yeah. what he's saying. Yeah, like good. he he feels like that person may not do it now. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's crazy. Now, okay, so now you've made it past the signs, and you're walking around the interior of the forest, and all of a sudden you look around and there's tape and rope like lining all the trees off of you know like running off the path that you're on right so like you look and there's a tree and there's a rope tied around it and then that rope just extends into the forest this way and then there's a different color rope and another rope that goes this way and it's like okay those ropes are there for the people who are still in the forest 
and are unsure whether or not they're going to go through with it so that they can find their way back. It's essentially their breadcrumbs of just so that they, if they change their mind and they don't go through with it. But the problem is, is that a lot of the times they go through with it. So these ropes are just there. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, that's just heavy. Yeah. They're, they're, they're there leading you to the site and, yeah. yeah, and well, and that's so the the people that essentially are there to search for bodies, they just follow these ropes all over the place, and and you know nine times out of ten, the rope leads to a dead body. Yeah. Um. So, as you can probably imagine, in a destination that has uh, this high of an association with death. Um, there's a belief that obviously the forest is haunted. So um, the visitors claim that they see the uh, they the yurai, which are the as you recall the spirits of those who were left in the forest to die by their loving family. Um, they're, they're claimed to have been seen, um, as vengeful spirits and, um, you know, all the people that have been left there. So that's, that's A. And then in the sixties, all of that kind of started to change. Uh, and today the forest phantoms are said to belong to the sad and miserable people, the thousands who've come to the forest over, these last what 50 years 40 something years um to kill themselves yeah and i in just the sheer number of lives that have that that forest has claimed um it honestly if ghosts are real which i don't believe that much in ghosts but i i don't know enough to say definitely not but it has to be one of the most haunted places on earth if without that's a, doubt. a paranormal hotbed like yeah, without a doubt 100% i mean you're you're looking at volcano old people from like feudal japan right you have you know yeah. everything from samurais to elderly people to you know and and japanese culture in and of itself has like demons and stuff which we'll go into in a minute but like it's got to be it's haunted. Like I don't care. It's yeah. haunted. That's just <laughs> yeah. It's haunted. I'm sure. Like the the energy in that forest yeah. is just out of whack. Right. So, as we said before, um, hanging is the most common cause of death within the forest, with uh, drug overdose being the second. And for in the recent years, we actually don't have the numbers because the Japanese government, um, fearing that the totals were essentially encouraging people to follow in the footsteps of the deceased stop releasing the numbers yeah that makes sense that checks out i yeah i do the same well you know what and that's actually um it's interesting because this is this is something that's been done with um streakers really sporting events yeah so if you look at sporting events you never see the streaker anymore like, people still run out onto the field and try and run around and all that kind of stuff. But, like, during the game, they know none of the camera crew are allowed to film that person. 
and it's to do the exact same thing. It's to prevent people from trying to emulate it because you're all it's all it's saying is like you're getting your 15 minutes of fame. Yeah. yeah. Or 15 seconds of fame, depending on how long you can outrun the security guards. And this is actually something, in my opinion, we should be doing with like these people that go in and and commit like mass murders shooting sprees like all that stuff you know what you can say their name that's fine because the public deserves to know who did it but i don't need their picture on the cover of time magazine or was it rolling stone or time that the friggin boston bombers were on god i don't even know but right but like i don't need that that. i don't need to see their picture i don't need to know what their manifesto is the thing is is that like these these news you know the it's whether it's cnn or fox or whoever they get they get control of like this manifesto and they're like oh well we're gonna read it because it's shock and awe and all they want are ratings they don't give a shit that you know this many people died right and then if somebody who's sick enough in the head sees how glorified they're becoming Oh, uh, that's what I have to, to do to get my stuff read? Okay, right. no problem. Yeah. I'll just go up into school and shoot a bunch of people. Like, that's <sighs> that's essentially the message that's being sent. Like, it's, it's one thing to give vital information and details and let people know, oh, this person had this issue and that's why they did what they did. They were schizophrenic or they were just deranged or whatever the case may be or – they, you know, were wronged by this individual or this company or corporation or military branch or whatever the case may be. Like, okay, there's their motive. That's great. That's why they had a motive. But you don't need to glorify it. Right. And that's essentially what the Japanese have now done is they are no longer glorifying the numbers of the suicides that are happening in this forest in the hopes that now nobody knows how many people. So... Maybe it's not a great place anymore. I'm not going to go there. I'll go to the Golden Gate Bridge instead. (laughs) (laughs) But in seriousness, again, get help. Seek help. Don't do it. Right. Don't jump off the Golden Gate Bridge, please. Correct. Don't don't jump off any bridges. Yeah. Yeah, that's Um, fair. Yeah. Just don't. (laughs) Um, Okay, so Aoki Gahara. Aoki Gahara is also reportedly home to Tengu, a mythical Japanese bird demon. So, yeah, this is this is where you got me. You have my <laughs> full attention here with this guy. So I got excited with the, the Tengu and did a little bit more research on him. Um, and it's actually a spirit, um, not a mythical bird. Um, but, however, it can take form as a bird of prey, which I guess, so I guess, how would you really know if you saw that in the sky? You'd be right. like, oh, it's a bird demon. That's, that's bird demon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> but uh, the Tengu appears in modern uh, art in a variety of other shapes. Um, it usually falls somewhere between, like, a large, monstrous bird and a being. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the face of, uh, it's often a red face with yellow eyes and a really long nose. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like the um the old like apothecary masks. Correct, correct. Yep. Um, and early depictions of the Tengu show them as like kite-like beings who can also take human form, but often retain avian wings in the head and beak. 
So again, I guess bird demon. So I mean, it's it's all over the place. But no, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I could go on all day about this one. Uh, that's definitely that's... my wheelhouse. So <laughs> finally, we found the part of this that Chris loves the most. <laughs> it's the it's the bird demon, guys. Yep. So and and here's the best part too is so like okay so now you have the 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 place is haunted right there's a bird demon in there, and then the next the very next thing I found after bird demon in the forest, it's also <laughs> believed that a Buddhist monk just resides somewhere in the forest. Actually, he just lives there. He's just hanging out, yeah. dude. He's probably living in that AC cave. Guarantee it. He's just be. not there when people like. Be. That's where I'd be living. Also. I don't know if you ever hear, like, the rumors or anything. Maybe this could even be, like, another episode or something. But, like, ever hear about, like, the rumors of, like, certain people who just don't need to eat or drink anymore? Like, they just drink water. They don't eat. They just, like, meditate. And, like, their body runs at full efficiency. I know it sounds yeah. bizarre. But, like, like people do that. And, like, I... Or they, they can, like, think? survive on, like, one small meal a day and just a couple glasses of water throughout the day yeah. and that's it that's all they need they run but like they live like they have energy they're out like doing manual labor like all yeah. this crap and like they're not getting the sustenance that they need like it makes no yeah. sense but i mean they just a- they asian, just meditate and they're asian like oh culture, that, that fix it <laughs> asian culture in general like makes no sense like in the, in this in the sense of you have like you always see like when these tv shows are like oh we're gonna go to japan or oh we're gonna go to china like there's just a 106-year-old dude on the side of the road that's been smoking since he was 20 yeah. and, like, perfectly healthy because he just eats, like, friggin' raw fish and, and white rice and that's their diet and, and it's like, yeah, no problem. Cancer, yeah, what cancer? Vegetables and fish, I mean, you smoke forever, basically. Like, it doesn't make any sense. You heard sense. it here first, kids. <laughs> <laughs> smoke that's cigarettes. Right. As long as you eat white rice, steamed vegetables... And raw fish, you can smoke as many cigarettes as you want, and live forever. Yes, yeah. just and the you rules. can live until you're 106 years old, because no Asian people get lung cancer. That's <laughs> essentially. <laughs> what we're I don't make you. these rules, and That's you don't have to like them, but them the rules. <laughs> them be the rules. <laughs> None of that's true. Um, no. no, except there's believed a Buddhist monk lives in the forest and. There's no proof either yeah, direction. He's in that. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's an there. AC he's cave. There. AC well, speaking cave. Of, speaking of the AC cave, <laughs> um, it is called the Narusawa Ice Cave. It's a popular tourist attraction, um, and it actually remains frozen all year round and has an average temperature of just 37.4 degrees Fahrenheit. This sounds great. I'm going to move a couch in there. I'm going to wire some electricity in that bad boy. I and, am uh, sweating bullets right me. now. Like, that cave really sounds great. And my air conditioning in my house is on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, AC cave all the way. But in spite of the ice cave, Aokigahara is a hotbed for paranormal activity. I see. I mis- I misinterpreted this earlier. I thought you were saying the ice cave was a hotbed. I was just like, why is the ice cave a hotbed? <laughs> like, I mean, maybe all the maybe all the ghosts are just like, yo, this is good. No, nope, it was just this my awful sorry attempt at a shitty dad pun. In spite of that cave. In spite of that cave. <laughs> so, 
some visitors have described the quality of sounds that they hear in the forest as somewhat muted, um, as if they're being heard through a thick veil or like from another room in your house. You know what I mean? When you can kind of hear a conversation happening, but it's kind of dampened. Um, and there's also another kind of, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but essentially like compasses sometimes go kind of hinky. Um, and the needle kind of jerks around, uh, spasm, uh, make, you know, spastically or, you know, um, whatever the case may be. Yeah. That could be anywhere from paranormal activity to just magnetic fields being out of whack there. Yeah. However, um, the, the quietness of the forest, again, just going back to that, I just, it's creepy. I, I, I don't I don't know if you ever heard, like, there's, like, rumor, like, basically, if you get a room and you dampen the sound so much that you can hear your body working, you can hear, hear, like, your blood flowing through your veins because everything else is so dampened out, the only thing you can hear is what's going on inside your body. So, Um, Paul Simon said it best, the sound of silence is a thing. Um, I don't know if we have to pay him for that reference, but... Maybe. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll let, just let him sue us. I don't have us. the money. Yeah, just let so. him sue us. We don't have anything. Please. He, wants, <laughs> he can take my debt. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> there you go, pal. Anyway, um, my wife is from New York City. I'm from Stanford, which is a, a city, you know, if you will, uh, in Connecticut. And, and we moved up here to Ridgefield uh, about a year and a half ago. And we live, um, our backyard is essentially a wetlands preserve. Nice. And we live in like this nice, cute little community. Nothing happens after like 11 o'clock. Nothing. And like the first week or so we lived here, it was like eerie because it is so quiet. Like you, there is, quiet has a sound and it's weird. Like, no, and I'm talking about, like, early, early spring when, like, there are no crickets. There are no animals making noise. There are no birds chirping. Nothing. Nothing is happening, and you still hear stuff, but you hear nothing. It's it's impossible to describe unless you can actually, like, experience it, and that's essentially what's happening in this forest is, like, it's the, the, the foliage of the trees is so thick. And the bed that everything sits on, this lava bed, is so porous that the sound is just absorbed. And it's just very eerie and ominous. Um, now, as far as the compasses go, I think it's, I think it's embellished a little bit. I think it's a crock. Um, like that they go crazy and blah, blah, blah. But... The argument can be made that, like, it's lava, right? So lava has a metallic property. If you put the compass close enough to the floor, obviously it's going to mess up. So it could be just from that. Um, But the crazy thing about the forest floor is that it is – if you're off the beaten path, right, if you're not just on one of the hiking trails – the floor is littered with the belongings of those who have entered the forest and never returned. And I'm talking about camping gear. I'm talking about supplies that they took in with them because they weren't sure if they wanted to do it. So they brought like food and water bottles and backpacks and clothes and 
shoot it's just everything like there's there's all these pictures and and i'll maybe i'll post a couple in the in the video um on youtube of this but we'll there's just like pictures of stuff that are like everywhere it's and it's just it's sad like really like all jokes aside it's it's really just hard to look at all of these things and not feel a little bit like bummed Oh yeah, I mean you've gotta not be human to see that and not get a haunting feeling. From or it. Logan Paul. Or Logan Paul, yeah. Like legit though. Like I mean, I I don't even know how you'd be able to go into that forest and see something yeah. like that abandoned and and just feel okay. Be like, oh look, someone's stuff. It's just like no. Yeah, that's that might not be someone's stuff anymore. Like it's yeah, it's it's awful. Yeah. So we are going to. Um. essentially wrap up everything with the best part about it witness accounts of witness. the hauntings of Aokigahara the suicide forest so the first witness account and, I'm, and this is these are witnesses that are like people that went there and had experiences and you know they're they're real people um so their names have been changed uh, for anonymity purposes, but these are, here we go with the accounts. So first person, Kenji. Kenji says he was hiking with a friend at the time, and things first got strange when they noticed that the forest around them was unusually calm and quiet, and as if um, every sound of the trees was muffled and far off. Then they noticed what they first took to be another hiker walking about through the trees. And Kenji says, We thought this was another guy out there, but when we noticed that there was no detail to this person, no color. If it was... I'm sorry, it was as if he... I felt it was a he. was just a shadow without any features. He also seemed to be following us. But he was way off the trail, just out in the trees, and there was not sounds of footsteps or crunching leaves. This was strange, but it got stranger when I watched this figure pass behind some trees. I expected him to come back out from behind the trees, but instead he was suddenly about ten meters ahead of us, as if he had just teleported. There's no way anyone could have covered that distance without me noticing it. After some time of this, the strange intruder stood there, watching us, and then just faded away right before our eyes. My friend and I were quick to head back. Yeah. Well, yeah, you'd head back because that's just straight up a ghost. That's loose energy <laughs> running around. Like, I, listen, no footstep noises, no anything. Like, not a big believer, but like, that's a ghost, dude. Confirmed ghost. Right yeah, that's there. a ghost. Yeah. That, oh man, could you imagine? No, no, that sounds terrifying. Like, like real life scary. I. Uh, all right, so I'll, straight up, I didn't want to do these at the end. I put them in here because it's they're the most exciting part of this whole freaking thing. Like, I'll be the first to admit it. Anyone who's listening to this podcast has essentially suffered through our droning on about this forest <laughs> just to get to like the juicy bits that is this. But I don't want to read these. Because they freak me out. I read them to myself when I was doing the research. And, like, I didn't want to go to bed. No? 
Yeah, no, dude, these are creepy. Like, this guy's following you through the forest. He doesn't have any features. It's just a shadow. He's off in the distance. He goes, walks behind a tree, and then all of a sudden he's 10 meters in front of you? Come on, dude. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But you just got to remember at the end of the day, JR, the ghost ain't real. They ain't going to get you. You don't know that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I can't prove it. All right, let's move on to witness account number two. This is Kikyo. I think I pronounced that right. I don't know. Um, it's P P O P. Do you get that reference? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's forgetting Sarah Marshall. I see. When, when Paul Rudd is the uh, the what you call it, the instructor, the surfing instructor. It's like I'm gonna call you P P O P. Come on, P P O P. Let's go surfing. Jeez. That guy's a gem. He's the best. Okay, so anyway, Kiko. Things got very odd when they heard what sounded like crying off in the forest. So here we go. We heard what sounded like a woman weeping. It was very strange, but got more alarming when it seemed to actually get louder. We thought it might be someone out there in trouble, so we headed off the trail to see if we could find this person. It was odd, because as we made our way to what we thought was the source of the crying, it seemed to move farther away, leading us deeper and deeper into the woods, making it all scarier. (laughs) Making it all scarier was that the crying seemed to get more desperate and anguished as we pursued it. We called out to whoever it was, but they did not respond. See, this is why I didn't want to read these. I'm freaked out. That's fair. Dude, they just cried. We got pretty deep into the woods, this crying eluding us the whole time, until we finally seemed to be getting closer to the source. The crying got louder and louder. We were almost there. And then it suddenly stopped. Just stopped altogether. We were a bit bewildered, and then my friend sort of gasps and points. There, hanging from a tree, was a noose, holding the remains of what had once been a woman. We got out of there as fast as we could and contacted the authorities. It was another suicide. I've also wondered if what we heard was the ghost of that woman leading us to her forgotten corpse. I got Dude, goosebumps. I got friggin' goosebumps, man. That's crazy. Because, like, cause who knows how this works, right? Like That's in the, every movie. Like, that's... you. There are movies made about this scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, like, who knows? It very well could have been the spirit and can't be laid to rest because their body's not laid to rest you know like i can't i like i can't even i can't handle that particular that 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 story gets me the worst that one's pretty bad that one's like straight up just following crying to a to a a body is yeah (laughs) okay next there is a recurring type of paranormal experience reported from the suicide forest and that is the sense that something has sometimes followed people back. It seems that spiritual energy has, in these cases, managed to attach itself to those passing through. And one witness came to uh, the person that wrote, uh, recorded these accounts Excuse me. Um, with a story that seems to suggest that not only did something follow them back, but may have even tried to possess one of them. Yeah. Just just great. Here we go. He says the whole time they were there, they had been beset with a heavy feeling of being watched or followed. 
Fantastic. That's what you want in the middle of a forest. Even though they could not see anyone around. This ill-defined feeling of dread got worse as they continued, as if it were clinging to them. And it got to the point where the wife felt as if she couldn't breathe and wanted to leave. They got back out of the forest, and on their way home, the wife was still in sort of a panic, hyperventilating and saying that she felt lightheaded. Possession. Straight up. That's how, yeah. that's how yeah. every possession movie starts. My wife began having what I can only call episodes. She would suddenly fall into a sort of trance where she would space out completely, totally unresponsive. Then when she snapped out of it, she would have no memory of what she had done. This began to happen more and more often, and I thought she was perhaps having some sort of effect from stress. Then one day, she started talking in her sleep in a voice that was not her own. Fuck that. Yeah. Like, full stop. Yes. No thank Just, you. Just, if out I there. woke up and Jill was talking in a voice that wasn't hers in her sleep, I would first remove her mouth guard because she just got a new one from the dentist and she grinds her teeth, <laughs> and I would make sure that that's not what was causing it. And if that wasn't what was causing it, I would be gone. I would leave the dog. Oh, I would. I don't care. I'm out. If me, myself, and I am out. You are so much braver than I am because I wouldn't even check it. I'd just be like, "Oh yeah." It's only because just... this. Ma- it's only because her mouthpiece is brand new. Okay. Like I. Right. That's the only reason why I would like even hesitate. You can say that. I'm just gonna chalk it up to go. Oh, I'd, so I'd be gone. I'd be fucking gone. <laughs> like, who am I trying to kid? <laughs> oh man. Anyway. <clears throat> So those oh, okay, are, so, so then one day she started talking in her sleep in a voice that was not her own. <sighs> talking about people who we did not know. That's and No, my wife never talks in her sleep, and this was not her voice. This continued for about a week. We eventually visited a Shinto priest, and her condition stopped. I feel to this day that something followed us back from that forest, although I am not sure what. Yeah, no shit something fucking followed you back from the forest. It took a Shinto priest to stop this. Right, right. And, like, like there's pretty much two explanations of that. It's just, like, acute episode of schizophrenia or a ghost. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're either crazy or possessed by something. Right, yeah. Like, you definitely symptoms of a mental illness or ghost. Like, it's just... Oi. No, that's, that's creepy. Yeah, okay. Well, guess what? There's one more. All right. Thank God. Perhaps even more frightening than that sort of possession is the possession that has overtaken some people who journey into the forest in which they feel dark thoughts and compulsions that they do not believe to be their own. In other words, people go into the forest because they're just looking for a leisurely hike and then end up wanting to kill themselves. Let's dive into what Michio has to say. Oh, boy. Again, names have been changed. (laughs) He begins to have visions of faces he did not recognize. I began to have these memories of people I did not know. These memories came to me unabidened and just popped into my head as clear as day. As I walked on, I started to get this deep sense of despondency, fleeting images of sadness in my head. It was unbearable. But what made it even worse is that I began to hear this whispering in my ear, 
the insistent voice that told me to end it all, and I started to feel that I wanted to die. I felt compelled to kill myself, and I might have if I had the means to do it. Well, thank God you didn't bring rope with you. Or or weren't packing drugs. Okay. Uh, I sat down right there in the forest as this voice whispered to me, and it was the most crushing sense of loneliness and despair I've ever experienced. Then another hiker came through, and this wave of angst just lifted, and I was myself again. I can't quite explain it, but I feel like something visited me there, and that forest tried to take me. Oof. Fuck so, off. Okay. I'm not ever going there. Yeah. I, like, For real. I, I was so into taking a trip. Excuse me. To see this forest. I wanted to go. I wanted to experience the density. I wanted to experience all of it. I read that one. Like, I I get it. Okay, so there's ghosts. That's fine. Like, I'm freaked out by the two ghost stories, especially the one that really got to me. But I can handle it, right? I just don't follow the girl crying. Fuck them. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you go the like, other way. Yeah. You just don't go that way. So, but, like, to just be walking in the forest and be like, oh, I'm, like I, you're just getting heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. And then all of a sudden you just want to kill yourself. And the only thing that saved this guy's life, other than the fact that he didn't have the actual means to do it, like in his friggin' backpack or fanny pack or whatever the hell he was carrying, was the fact that another hiker came along. If that other hiker doesn't come along, like, we might not have this eyewitness account because this guy's dead. Yeah. Oh, 100%. That's crazy. That's – and, like – I know, like, obviously something like that could, like, be medically explained by, like, stress or acute episode of schizophrenia Fuck or whatever. that, dude. But it, it's not get, happening like, anywhere else but the forest. Well, that's what I'm saying. For this guy, it's, I mean. It's or way me, too I don't know fishy. It, yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah, way too fishy that it happened multiple times to different people leaving yeah. the same place. I feel yeah. like that's too many no, thank you. Uh, variables there. Absolutely right, it's, not. it's too easy. Yeah. Um, so that is... Aoki Gahara, that is uh, Jukai, and the Suicide Forest, and the Japanese culture that essentially led to this place being um, just one of the most popular suicide destinations in the entire world. And again, we just want to wrap up the episode by saying that suicide is not a joke. We make a lot of jokes, we joke about a lot of things, a lot of topics, um, you know, and, and... a lot of the things we say they're just trying to make you laugh but suicide in and of itself is not a joke and it should never be taken lightly Um, if you or someone you know are having suicidal thoughts tendencies or depression uh, please seek help for yourself or that person there are multiple resources at your disposal to help you battle suicidal thoughts the national suicide prevention lifeline which is 1-800-273-8255 Um, Something as simple as talking it out can make a difference. You can also visit uh, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention at www.afsp.org for more resources. Again, we just want to make sure that everybody understands, don't do it. It's not worth it. Um, And also, if you're going to look for great places to go hiking, maybe avoid this one. Yeah, yeah. Also, touching up upon that, I know um, when when people are in that state of mind, it's a very dark and sunken place. You can feel 
uh, very alone and just know that you're never alone in that situation. Yep. Um, there is always somebody who will talk to you and there's always someone who will have your back and it's usually the person you least expect. Yep. And um, it, even if you believe that you have no friends, you have no family, not only are there people that will talk to you, there are people that want to talk to you. If correct. you call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, they want to talk to you. It's not even yeah. that they will. They want to. Because the last thing they or any of us want to see is you doing the wrong thing, which in this right. case is suicide. So deep, uh, heavy, heavy topics. And um, yeah, I, maybe next next episode will be a little lighter, I think we should do. <laughs> maybe we, should, we, we get back into conspiracy we do a conspiracy theory now that we did a, an urban legend that just creeps the fuck out of people. Um, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> or just something, just something a little bit more lighthearted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that is uh, that is the episode for this week of the Mystery in Our History podcast. Um, we thank you as always for tuning in, listening. Um, make sure you hit that like. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, and uh, we'll see you next episode. Bye bye.